This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Are you comfortable with me pretending to give you a blowjob? My name's Keen. Do I look like Violet Chachki? I'm James. Welcome to Sissy That Pod. We are cover. Well, this is a RuPaul's Drag Race reaction podcast, and we cover all the endeavors and franchises and the ever spewing tree of RuPaul's Drag Race. And today we're covering RuPaul's Drag Race Dan Under episode five, and it's uh, just us kitty girls today. Mm-hmm, that's it. We are home alone and loving it. Veggie might enjoy an episode of just the two of us. <laughs> I have to say, like I've been saying it for a while, it the series is kind of took a while to warm up. But I, I actually sort of guffawed several times in this week's episode. I think this is one of the best episodes we've had in a while, including the main series. Lots to talk about, a few firsts in the drag race history. So let's un open that picnic basket and unpack what there is to discuss. I have to say, it still sort of feels unjust that Anita has gone. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like Anita was such a front runner, and to have her taken out now, it, it almost feels like as if kind of, um, like it almost feels like as if it was part of like this uh, ketamine origin story that they've decided that ketamine mm. is going to be this kind of like super front runner, and she needed to lose the. You know, it's like you know, Samanda. They got rid of uh, one of them so that that one, so that Sam could. I don't know. That never happened. It's like if you cut up John and Edward or Samanda, it it, it doesn't feel right. Um, that she's out of the, the place. iconic twins of our time. <laughs> it's not like you know when, when from Ant and Deck when Ant was having some legal issues that Deck flourished on his own. It's, he goes straight to Samantha, the most iconic twins ever. Yeah, I don't know why Samantha are like the only duo I ever remember. It's like the first and foremost came out. It's like Samantha and Two Shoes. Like that's it. I have a very specific <laughs> booty point love. Of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Name an iconic two piece, Batman and Robin. I know. Samantha! <laughs> what were the name of those twins that were in Love Island again before we. Get oh back my to it? god, I can't remember. Um, Jesse and. Hope? Jess and Eve. Jess and Eve. Jess and Eve were Samantha 2.0, right? They couldn't even <laughs> <Yeah>. reach the. <laughs> <laughs> no, big brother because thing. like Eve got booted off night one, and then Jess is there on her own, like going around being like, I'll "Well, have surely that's going. a better analogy for Kita and Anita now than Samantha." It was, you know, Anita was Eve, and now Kita's going to live her best life and hook up with the really, really muscular guy whose name I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. I, I'm sorry. When when I was going for my my reality TV duo moment, I probably reached a bit too far back in the backpack. I could I could have <laughs> I could have brought a Ford. You know, like when like when um, Deck ran over all those people. That would have been a better moment. And and ran over. The- and oh, and I always get them mixed up. I don't understand how people get them mixed up. They look so different. Yeah, but it's because you've heard them together for like so long that you've never needed to know them separately. Like it's like John and Edward. Yeah, but they're identical twins. They look the same. <laughs> Act and Tech don't look the same. Joan, I'd actually be interested to know, people who, who don't know us in real life, do you find it difficult to know whose voice is whose? Or are you like, oh no, that's James, that's Keen. Uh, yes, please do tell us. I would say that we have very different voices. But I think Ant and Deck look very different as well. Mm. 
Okay, well, look, there's a there's test. A so, yeah, let us know. DM us at Sissy That Pod on Instagram. Can you tell the difference in our voices? Yeah, do you know who's who? This is what happened when we don't have a guest. We're like, oh, Samantha. But yes, Anita and Ketamine. <laughs> Anita's gone. This seems to be power charging Ketamine. The edit has really sort of switched in her favor. So it's interesting to see how it's going to go. And also, there's this new narrative now, which we thought might happen, which is the Kiwi girls versus the Aussie girls. Electra and Keita mm-hmm. are over in a corner, sort of like picking their next target. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But before we get to see any of that, the mini challenge this week is the reading is fundamental challenge. Yeah, who did you think did best in this? I, like, I, I didn't think that any of them sort of, like, wowed me. I think I laughed the most at Art's joke about they, mm. them, for et cetera, et cetera. I think that was the only one that I, like, properly laughed at. Uh, some of them, like, went a bit too far into, like, mean mm. um, territory. I did think Keita was 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 quite funny. I liked the read of um, Electra. I thought that was good. And then the et cetera, et cetera one I thought was clever as well. But, yeah, I agree. I agree that Art deserved to win that. And I think that... As is a theme going through this entire uh, entire episode, I just think that like Maxi, for whatever reason, I just really expect more from. Oh, like it's sort of like you know that do you know that episode on The Simpsons where like there's like all the like you know um, ninja people arrive and there's like there's like oh but we don't get to see what that is. like it's kind of like that's my feeling about Maxi is I'm always waiting for something amazing. I, I, I think that Maxi has it in them as well. Like, I thought the lip sync was spectacular. Absolutely loved the gag. Thought it was so simple, but really effective. And I just think at every stage, it's kind of like holding themselves back. Like, I, I think I would definitely, like, definitely book tickets to go to a Maxi Shield show. Very, like, much, much faster than I'd be bothered to go see, like, a Scarlet one or an Electra one. But that just bringing it onto the show is not happening because I thought her reads were very basic. Well, see, the only the one I actually laughed aloud was, and maybe this is a an old time joke that I've just never heard. But the only thing between her ear, the only thing at times she has anything between her ears is when she's sucking cock. I roared at that because I'd never heard that before. I thought it was <laughs> funny, but I was I thought you were going to say the thing with Maxie is. You, they do well, but they're chronically overlooked, and you can just tell from the edit it's not going to go well. I quite enjoyed the ad later on as well. Uh, again, I laughed at it more than I can say for some of the others, but you can just tell by the edit that you're like, okay, well, she's not seen as doing well. I I, I don't know, like, and actually, so Ruth said this on the the um, they they actually this came up a lot on the judging panel, and it goes through like a huge number of these reads and then into the ads as well. Is that sometimes when someone's lost for something humorous to say? They just go to like super crass humor. And then like there's like a sort of a built in defense with it as well, because it's like if you don't like if you then say like, oh, that's not funny. It's like, well, stop being a prude. And it's like, well, actually, no, like there is an art to super crass jokes to make them funny. And you can make like real crass and like real like blue and across the line stuff hilarious. Mm. But if it is if the joke in itself is just, you know, fart or shit, you know, or like blowjob. I just am kind of like, it's basic. And it's like, I, you know, fine, do a blowjob joke. Brilliant. But make it a bit funnier or like do something with it that's unexpected rather than just kind of, you know, because like then it's not really a joke. It's just like a statement of we all find farting funny. Let's all laugh at farting. Like, you, I don't you know. So that that's kind of what I find with a couple of these, like with, with a couple of these things. And also like, I, I think that particularly with reading, 
you know to, to bring it on to like a, a more kind of like you know let's all talk about the the true meaning of stuff it's meant to be like finessed to a point where it's kind of like really clever and where it takes a moment like the whole concept of reading is that it is something that takes you a moment to understand or kind of like is it doesn't sound like just an insult and so many of these like with the exception say of Kida and maybe Karen from finance a little bit and art it, it did feel like they were just sort of outright insults like when Elector was like sit and spin on this you bitch I was like that's not a read that's just plain telling yeah, someone to that, fuck that's off that's just being aggressive yeah look I, I get what you're saying in general about mm. grass humour and I do agree with it and it's actually one of the things that before I watched Track Race I was like oh I don't want to watch the show it's just going to be all grass humour and then I was like oh I love this show it's all grass humour but yeah I also yeah. it is a bit rich from um, Rue and Michelle I, whenever they're like so it's too it's too crass and I'm like you've created this legacy of a show that you you progress well by making crass jokes like look at blue hydrangea look at you know all these people who managed to do well by just being crass how rich of you to turn around and go sorry you can clutch your pearls one day and not clutch your pearls the other day in terms of that particular joke i kind of enjoyed it because the uh anatomy of just thinking of like a dick between two people's ears but then also calling somebody dumb and a slut at the same time I thought was kind of fun so I think there was you know I mean probably over generous to it but I think it was a sort of somewhat new take of something but yeah it wasn't particularly witty it wasn't like I know what you got on your SATs catch up those sort of really sort of witty uh, subversion of expectations lines but I did quite like it the the example you gave there of the they them pronouns of art you know they use they them pronouns but we won't see them in the final because or they've never won a task so they won't see them in the final that is a probably better subversion of expectations and a, and a better read but yeah in, in terms of the overall maxi i got a big laugh from me um, but you could just tell from the edit that it's like oh, okay we're not supposed to think that was that good <laughs> Mm-hmm. editing wasn't the one in this episode there was a few hard edits kind of like they were having a sort of welcome back to the workroom and then it was straight was straight that to the rehearsal so I was like oh, oh okay there we go I have to say I normally kind of skip over the rehearsals in my note because it's like it's just pre pre fodder for the actual task but I have to say these rehearsals were hilarious because of your one Suzanne Paul she was just yeah. shocked what, by she's like, what is this <laughs> one point she just goes i've learned some things today and you tell michelle yeah. was like oh she was not bargaining for this to just to talk about the like the kind of like when the the, the writing room scenes like ahead of time i just thought it was very funny where etc etc was like oh like some of these queens like rely far too much on crass humor it's absolutely terrible i'm an elegant woman <laughs> and then it's like i'm gonna do a bit about a jar of piss <laughs> it's like also like what is wrong with your piss if there's yeast in it honestly (laughs) also that moment from etc etc where she was like guys do you think i'm shady and it's like yes etc we do what me the villain no I, I did think that was hilarious because and also like I I last week had a revelation with et cetera, et cetera, where I had been kind of like I had been finding I'd been finding their presence on the show really frustrating up until last week when it just clicked with me as like, oh, they're the villain and they're a brilliant villain. And they're like they're 
they, they have everything that you want from a villain. And so even watching this episode, I was just like, this character is, this is like, this is like a drag perfection. This is like the perfect drag race villain. And I just loved all the way through the like delusions about how great their ad was, the sort of, you know, absolute like, you know, assholery of like calling people out kind of for absolutely no reason throughout it. I I thought they were they, they were yeah. I, I really enjoyed them and I'm sad that they're gone now, even mm. though it was their time. And it wasn't too far like Gia Gun and All Stars Four where you're like, okay, give poor Farmon a break, you've gone too far. It did seem to be bitchy yes. pointed but not over the top. Yeah, I'd agree. I would agree. So yeah, lo- love Suzanne Paul. She was great. She kind of made that whole whole scene of the thing. Shame she didn't get to go on the panel. One of my favorite moments yeah. though, of the episode, which did get a roar from me, was when they returned from the rehearsals and there's a normal shot of all the queens walking back into the workroom and they're skipping and they're kicking and they're prancing and then the camera pauses on Electroshock who walks in, hands in her like coat pocket and just does a sort of like backward head nod and a wink to the camera. I was like, what is this? It was just such a surreal moment and it was like such a like hetero moment as well. Wow, when you have all these like queens who are prancing in and then it's just like hey what you doing and it's sort of like Joey Way. I just thought what a choice to make I would say that this week was the week that I really realised that Electra is the trade of the season like solid ride of a man hunk beautiful hunk of a man well I found myself more attracted to the two problematic queens of the series Karen and, and Scarlet they're the two that I'm finding more attractive personally but um, yeah he's hot yeah yeah okay Karen, bizarre. I mean, like, Karen sort of dresses like kind of a new metal kid from the late 90s with those, like, that flame shirt. Pre-runway, we get a, like, a first for the mirror moments, um, which is bonkers for, you know, whatever, the 20th series in the franchise of regrets in drag. And this is setting, this is obviously because it's appeared that those images of Scarlet and Blackface have come up. But I thought this was going to be the only mention of it before it's mentioned on the runway as well. Yeah. So I kind of felt she was bringing up the Blackface and she seemed very genuine in her remorse in the workroom. And then it was kind of like she didn't even get a chance to properly apologize before etc. jumped down her throat. And I do think ultimately what etc. was saying was probably fair, which is, you know, an ap- just an apology alone isn't going to cut it. But... It, I was kind of trying to view it from an impartial point of view and it was kind of like, you know, when someone's trying to apologise that there's always people to be like, well, that's not enough and they're like gunning yeah. for someone's head and I did sort of feel that's how Electra came across in that moment. Sorry, not Electra, etc. Et apologies. Yeah, so I've, I have a, a couple of feelings about this moment. Um, so the first was that it, it just, it was so striking to me and so weird in a way that this conversation was happening it in it where there was no queens of color in the room when when like we had the like uh, people noted how sort of the first sort of out of the first three queens that went home it was the two queens of color and art and then art was brought back and kind of like you know there was like that sense of like well isn't this a strange 
conversation to be having without a representative in the room who can kind of speak from their point of view about the impact of something like that. So I, I did sort of think, and I know that that's just the way things have worked out, but I feel like this conversation was was naturally supposed, like this conversation was obviously going to have to come up because those pictures of Scarlett, are, are, like I've seen her have to address them a number of times uh, on Instagram over the last while when the cast was announced. So like this Yeah, is, but the this cast wouldn't be announced until they finished filming. That is true, but she had made she had she had prior to even like prior to even being on Drag Race, she had been called out for it and had to do apologies and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know what the I don't know what the timeline is. Maybe the first time she was called out was when she was genuinely in. That, like, that's my interpretation was the initial surfacing of the photos. The other thing is, like, I do think etc. etc. made a good point, which is that like it's a different thing between kind of like you know doing something like that kind of you know when doing something like that in your personal life versus in your professional life and kind of like that there is like when you're getting paid and there's a whole complication there i I remember scarlet talking about how in in like an instagram live like how she had like worked to educate herself and how she had then sort of started you know trying to use her platform to raise up queens of color and how she had tried to or how she had like sort of worked with different charities to, to raise money and so so i think that kind of like it, it 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 did go further or deeper than just an apology like she had actively done other stuff to to make up for it but it just to me i couldn't get away from how strange it was to be having this conversation without anyone in the room who could speak authentically from the place of the impacts that that a white person doing blackface would have yeah, because you kind of wanted Rue to give that context then towards the end. And and at least I wanted Rue to express how he felt as like the only black person in that room to have to address a person that cast on his TV show to have done these things that is egregious towards his community. Um, and I mean, we also get that moment of people would like me to cancel you, but I'm not going to, which is a, another interesting point that I'd like to discuss because I think I do would agree with him. But... Yeah, I kind of wanted more from you. And look, he, he like he's he's well able to be emotionally vulnerable when he wants on his podcast, or whatever. So I kind of thought that was his moment there, especially yeah. since there was no one else to give that POC POV. Yeah, no, and, and like I, I sort of uh, like it is an interesting conversation to have. I, I thought that, um, like what Rue said about the not like kind of people would want me to cancel you, and I'm not going to do that. Like I do think that kind of there does need to be a time at which when someone has sort of a genuinely unauthentically apologized, learned from their mistake, tried to make amends from it, isn't going to make the same mistake and can see the error of their mm. ways is actively working to educate themselves. Like, you know, th- there is in like the vast majority of cir- situations or circumstances, forgiveness needs to be given and that person needs to be allowed to, to move on because otherwise you end up creating this bar that gets higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and everyone starts falling below it. And no one, everyone is going to make mistakes. No one is going to be perfect their entire life. So there needs to be a point at which an an apology can be accepted and people get to to move on. Yeah. Um. But so just just on that, a a thought just occurred to me there. I suppose after me saying I wanted, I would have liked to hear Rue express his opinion and that you would have wanted a POC in the room to give context. That actually a lot of this is 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 actually coming from that you know black people don't want to have to be the ones to educate us all the time so i think actually the fact that it did come from another white person to have the right have a good point of view and to be like standing up for that point of view is also good as well i think think it's also refreshing yeah so i like i suppose like there there's um earlier this year um 
GCN and Tenny did a, a media training campaign called Not About Us Without Us, which mm. was around kind of educating the media on how to have sensitive conversations around transgender issues and encouraging them to always include trans people in those conversations when they're having and making sure that they're looking to the the right people to participate in them so you're getting a fair and balanced conversation so i wouldn't have been looking for when it was striking me it wasn't like oh i want to hear a like a queen of color talking about like how how like it impacts them or like to educate me on the issues i just was really coming from that kind of not about us without us kind of point of view it just was striking that there was no one in the room who could relate that more so than I wanted someone there to kind of like stand up and be like, this is how it affected me. And I think it just made it, it made the, the, the the unbalance in the casting really stand out to me that there were, you know, like that there were only two Queens of color in the, in the lineup from the very beginning. And also that you do know, this is RuPaul's Drag Race, production have an oversight they understand and know like they've kind of just they kind of have an idea of who's going how far in the competition Mm. so you could imagine that they sort of had an idea that when they cast those two queens they weren't queens that were making it to the top so they kind of had an understanding that from a certain point early enough on in the competition it was going to be a room full of yeah you never know they might have thought coco would have got to the finale like we did and then coco sort of showed up and didn't got in her head or whatever you know so it's hard to know i have to think i have to say though i think scarlet's apology on the main stage was a, a lot less good i think it's probably the best way to phrase it as in i kind of felt there was genuine remorse in the workroom in terms of who she's hurt i felt on the main stage it was kind of a more of a i'm sorry please don't kick me off the show but I think that's what it was because I would imagine that 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 she was under the impression that once it was talked about in the workroom that that was it laid mm. to rest. And when Rue brought it up, like I would imagine, she was quaking in her fucking yeah, boots as you she would didn't be. Expect Rue but to, you're not apologizing she with probably, the right point of view. You're apologizing because I want to, um, you know, make amends rather than yeah. apology because I don't want it to affect me. No, absolutely. And I think that kind of like what you'd want, like you know, if if I was going to get into the psychology of that moment, I'd want to know like was she prepared ahead of time that this was going to be brought up again on the on the main stage? Was she told Rue's going to be addressing this issue? And like given the comfort of knowing, you know, you aren't being sent home because of this, so that then she wasn't sitting there thinking, oh shit, this is the beginning of like a. You know, a Willem or Eureka, please step forward moment where I'm getting kicked off the show. Like, it's because, you know, like it was kind of like, was it a moment of like absolute stress where she was like thinking, oh my God, you know, this is the beginning of it. How do I like, you know, beg to stay here rather than being told you've been given this platform to apologize again in front of Rue? And I think that like Rue had a responsibility to mention it on the runway because it is something that goes, like, I suppose it is like, racism within the within the drag fandom is a huge issue you know obviously racism within australian culture is a huge issue racism mm. in the global the, culture they've also is a huge just been issue bitten once before with cherry pie where a contestant they've cast has gone on to have you know bad accusations made against them so i think this was them yeah. being like okay well, look we have the opportunity here to tackle this before it airs let's do it yeah yeah maybe actually maybe i'm wrong now that i'm thinking about it like maybe her kind of like listing off all the things that she's done to try and make amends for this and like how she she's raised money and organizations she's worked with could have been kind of like, I don't know, could have been sort of tacky or almost undermined. Yeah, I think that's kind of like Sherman I great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think she should have said to Rue, you know, I regret my, my, my actions, but all actions have consequences. So if you, if you think I should be kicked off the show, then I would accept my punishment. 
that's what I think it would be the fair response um, to her to yeah. like say I'm putting my hands up I've done wrong yeah actually that, that yeah I also then was thinking of Karen from finance standing there with a gollywog on her back being like oh god am I next <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder is her comeuppance coming in a few episodes time that came out after yeah. I wonder if that came if, the, if that sort of stuff all came out after but it is interesting because I think that there is so much racism we under we, we hear and understand that there's a huge amount of racism in in, built into Australian culture so it is interesting to know how many of these queens have that sort of stuff lurking underneath the surface except for etc etc who's exceptionally woke as Electra calls out ring a ring a Rosie the lights declines I remember Dublin City in the rare old times uh, as you know we are part of the Head Stuff Podcasting Network the biggest best and brightest in the business uh, and we are hoping that you might want to come along and check out some of our sister podcasts this week we are bringing you a little clip from Dubland it's an Irish comedy podcast with broadcaster Suzanne Kane and PJ Gallagher chatting ranting raving and laughing at, li- at all that life has to offer in Dublin City in Ireland uh, which is one of the most magnificent cities in the entire world and country but wherever you're from is also lovely Subland podcast is basically Suzanne Kane and PJ Gallagher it is a podcast that is designed very much look at the negative side of things and tell you that it is okay to get up in the morning and live your day Suzanne Kane slightly crazy conservative lady and ultra liberal lunatic head case me PJ Gallagher doing our best to put a smile on your face it's a midlife it is literally a midlife crisis podcast start from next week we'll have 10-15 minutes of extra bonus material that will be on the podcast every single week which will be very focused instead of this usual sort of demented ranting excuse me and you can sign up together on headstuffpodcast.com where you'll find loads of other brilliant podcasts with, with all brilliant topics material, and apparently. loads of great bonus material that isn't us but stick with us too thank you Let's jump to the runway and the run, the looks and also the challenges. But the first thing I noticed was, and I, I know this was the case for the last few episodes, but I didn't really clock it. When Rue was on the main stage doing his, his sh- you know, shtick with the introducing the judges, when it cuts back to the judges table, you can see the chair he sits on, which you don't normally see in a, in a better series. And the chair is a bloody 80 euro Ikea job. I mean, that's it. Rue's on a budget. Exactly, ergonomical chairs that's like bent at your back, which has kind of like a meshing to stop your back sweating. It is, I mean, it ruins the illusion. Again, and like I said last week, they sit so close to their back thing, you can see their shadow. It's just making me despair for the lack of budget for the set. And then at the end of this episode, we saw the set for Drag Race Spain, and I was like, no! <laughs> no! Um, but well, anyway. look, I think that it's. I think that the eighty quid chair that Rue was sitting in shows that they knew they had limited budget and they knew that they were going to spend it where it was needed instead of on thrones for the judges. But 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 true. But all they needed to do was wheel that chair at a shot, and it wouldn't have ruined the illusion. Let's deal with the look and the ad at the same time. The category on the runway was uh, finest Sheila in the bush. I fe- took a long time to actually work out what this category was. I think it was inspired by the Australian bush. Yeah, so I think that, like, because we got the little, like, interaction between Rue and um, like, Rue and Karen. Karen that kind of explained it. So I think that maybe when the, like, American production people were, like, planning it, they thought it was going to be kind of, like, redneck women. But instead, it turned out, like, the, the cast who came along sort of interpreted it as, more as, like, a nature thing. Um, okay. Or like a nature or outback or yeah, I I really I loved all of the 
Look, I, I loved all of the the, the the interpretations. I actually thought that this was probably, like, th- this was the best runway we've had so, so far this season by far. I didn't get the thread across them all. Like, you're looking at etc etc and maxi shield both good looks but you're like sorry they're both the same interpretation so yeah i like the looks i didn't get the 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 tie in between them really Mm -hmm. necessarily first up was electra shock Uh, this was her best look so far i thought she looked great she's really on a journey and you can see rue clock that narrative for her um she was inspired by some the bird on her hand was like a native bird to new zealand Um, thought she looked great and the ad was also good too I thought it was really funny I like I thought it was my I uh, yes it was my favorite of the it was definitely my favorite of the ads I thought it was it was really clever I loved the the kind of like self-referential kind of RuPaul tie-in thing I thought that was really clever I love that kind Mm. of like stop this was this you like I I just think that's really funny I I thought that she Mm. like she so deserved to win this week so deserved it. I thought that look. I was thought the best line well. though was in the audition where she was like, "And I forgot my line." I thought that would have been good to include because, like, this is so good, it's knocked me, a, you know, a professional drag queen off her game kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, and it was, it was surprising good. that it was so good because you wouldn't have expected it. No, absolutely not. Like, I kind of had anticipated it being kind of fine. Like, it just it showed like a sense of humor there that I don't think I'd seen from Electra before. Mm. Absolutely. Next up was Ketamine. She had a sort of like a dark purple butterfly look, which was nice. But again, we've seen a lot like that. And we've seen a few do it better. Um, and her ad that her, I think I actually think her ad was probably the best. But then I didn't really know what it was about. But like the homage to Divine and just like, I think we've said this before with the ads is like, you're you're confident. You look at Kitty Me like she has a confident pair of hands in which yeah. to put you know my entertainment. So uh, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, I yeah exactly. I would agree. First of all, the, the look I think was probably one of the more basic on the runways. I did like all the butterflies. I, I thought it was it was she looked great in it. The the ad I thought it was really like good. But just as you were saying, not that like it matters what any of these are supposed to be for. Like they're not real ads. Like they're mm. basically just like showcase yourself in a humorous way with this as a prop. Mm. Um, and and I loved the divine thing. I thought that she looked amazing as divine. It kind of made me think, God, mm. why didn't you do that as your like your your snatch game? Because like that would have been much mm. better than the ropey fucking um, Doctor Seuss that you knocked out. Uh, but yeah, I I I thought it was. I didn't laugh out loud at any point of it, but I was overall entertained. Yeah, thanks. The two, I think it was good. Uh, our the. The Belle of Our Ball, Maxi Shield, came out as a, like, I, I looked at first and I was like, oh, American Southern Belle. And then she was like, oh, picnic at Hanging Rock. And I was like, okay, fair enough, Victorian. Uh, again, another look for Maxi, possibly my favorite look on the runway, I think. So just was very put together. Um, and then her ad, again, I wasn't mad at it. Like, the critiques from the judges seem to be more about that she didn't have the confidence making it. But the actual final product didn't seem any better or worse than the rest of them. No, it did. <laughs> like she, I don't really? know. Like honestly, like, it was it was worse than arts. Yeah, like she sat there, like fucking, I don't know, Danny DeVito, you know, kind of like wearing a pair of ugly UGG boots for however long, and she, I the, the ad had like, I don't know, 
it, the ad had no had, had no kind of like ch- like turning point. Like I think that's what it was. It was kind of like so. Th- the aesthetic of the ad overall uh, reminds me of one of my favourite ads that I've ever made in these things is Jinx, Monso- Jinx Monsoon's Delusion one where kind of like you had the person in the like you know rough looking apartment or whatever like that and then they spray themselves and suddenly it's like everything around them changes and I think that it needed that it needed a kind of a pivot um, in the in it where kind of like you know you eat your yeast or whatever your you eat your horn dog yeast and then all of a sudden you're like the bell of the ball of the club like I think you you needed that to kind of like give it a kick because it was sort of just like oh now instead of like you know sitting alone in your damp apartment eating a load of takeaway you're sitting alone in your damp apartment you're sitting in your damp apartment with gross damp apartment with two men beside I don't know I was just like this isn't like if, if it, basically a change of scene for the last shot of that ad would have made it much better in my estimation but to quote a wise man the the ads are really about anything it's just showcasing yourself in drag and i think maxi did that <laughs> did that well that, that, that's what i'm saying i, don't, I think that she well i don't i don't see i feel like the the one note flat line of it like i think it needed like she needed to give it like a high note moment uh, at the end of it where kind of you know because it, it, I thought like in, when I remember in writing the notes about the kind of like when we were seeing the run through I thought that she looked amazing she looked so good that mm-hmm. wig was gorgeous she had this beautiful like kind of like glittery cape thing but you couldn't see it because she was sat there like Marty fucking Crane in that like couch for like the whole thing like it you know like I you needed that like kind of the, impact are you of, tired like, this... of sitting at home stroking your pussy I thought that was you know was fun but yeah no she, I, I, yeah okay you didn't see her look I, I I I just I was I thought it was funny, but I think that I thought it was I thought it was okay, but that I think that if yeah. there had been like a snap moment to like kind of like show you in, and then it would have been it would have been more funny or would have been more entertaining. Oh, to- totally agreed. It definitely could have been better, but it was it was bang middle of the road for me, and I don't think it deserved to be bottom two because art was up next. I found incredibly confusing. Oh, is Karen from Finance be- up next? Oh, apologies, you're right, yeah. But let's jump to art anyway, because she's on my mind. Okay. I found her incredibly confusing because it was it was a yeast that got American people out of the US. So anyway, I was trying to boggle with this concept that she was trying to explain to me, and it was just her doing bad American accents. And I was just like, what is going on here? I didn't laugh once, whereas at least Maxie, I laughed at the low-hanging fruit, and it was more simple. I, by the way, I art's look didn't... was great, though. <laughs> <laughs> art's look art's look was brilliant i loved the like little sort of like reveal thing i loved the like billy porter like core cat that was brilliant um yeah i thought that there was too where there wasn't enough concept for me in maxi's ad there was too much concept for me in art's ad because it was kind of like i don't understand your story and like i kind of like basic level like we we protect we have this stuff that grosses americans out so they don't come here it seemed to have been the like overall ad but then it, it just was like so hard to sell that like sort of subtle narrative of like you know mild disgust on behalf of a tourist population that like it, it i don't know the whole thing felt a bit like overthought yeah i yeah just it, that one was clearly the worst for me um I just I couldn't get on board, but her look was great. I the I mean 
as I've previously mentioned, I've never watched Kath and Kim, so it took me a while until I was actually told to work out that she was being Kath. But yeah, thought it looked great. Let's jump back to Karen now. Karen was in her firefighter eleganza. I was kind of surprised by the amount of tripping over themselves the judges were doing to honour this. Um, I thought it was great to shout out the um, firefighters. Tie in global warming in there is great. You know, the fire, like when I first saw it, I was like, oh, is that a bit on the nose because of the devastations of the fire? But then she explained it and I got it. But I actually didn't think it looked good. I quite liked it. I I did. Like, I I think that it was... Like, I, I felt like I was waiting for a reveal. Like, it did feel a bit like we were back in season 13 mm. with Tina Burner on the runway. And I was like, oh, God, f- flashbacks. But mm. um, I thought it looked Even good. I, I have was... seen Bob the Drag Queen say that these uh, that All-Star 6 promo was inspired by Tina Burner with the white Irish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go on, go on. Go on. Uh, no, I, I, I liked the look. I thought it was a good story. I enjoyed it. I... Uh, I don't, yeah, I thought, like, I, I don't necessarily know that it was kind of like the best like i don't think it really maybe deserved the like like i think it was because it was saying thank you to, to such an important group of people who do a very dangerous job in australia that it got most of the thanks rather than actually being like an amazing look that looked great i did like the color of it and i liked it was sort of like a it was like a dyed like canary yellow lace throughout it so like it was interesting to look at um, and I did like her kind of her um, glittery koala bear and the hat and uh, the, the hair. So I thought that she did she did look great. I think that the runway was an elevated concept, um, and I think deserved to keep her out of the bottom because her ad was very unmemorable. Like so much so that yeah. I'm struggling to remember discharge. What, yeah, which is a gross concept and a gross word. Uh, I just ultimately it was the same joke as both Scarlet and etc. It was just sort of um crass word thrown in multiple times to try make us laugh uh, yeah it wasn't funny again from a self-proclaimed comedy queen disappointing poor uh but yeah i got the firefighter look i thought the koala looked like an alien more so than a koala it was proper like 1995 it did Babylon look a little scalded alien etc etc um so there was a reveal with this so she had or sorry, so yeah so she had dressed up as the bush and then shook the bush off yeah. to reveal a flapper. I think she was supposed to be a singed tree. Did not get that. Well, I think what what the the, the storyline I took from it was mm. that it was kind of like the the bushfires ravage, and so like all of the stuff gets burnt, and then like at the very end, she like revealed like a, a leaf growing back. So it's kind of like the natural cycle of nature. But it was very. Um, like, I mean, I suppose, like, you know, fair enough, you have kind of a, a history of, I don't know, I, 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 again, I was kind of a bit like, you look amazing, but maybe this concept is a bit confusing. The sort of, like, yeah, sell it. Yeah, I got like, the story, but she had to tell me the story, because she didn't look like a burned stump of a tree. No, in her no, second. no, she didn't. And then she even the like kind of, like, and I feel like, is it my feeling would be that she had this idea of, like, oh, I'm going to go out there looking like a luscious, beautiful tropical forest, and then I'm going to, like in a fluff of red fire i'm going to reveal this like you know burnt scorched earth thing and then a friend probably was like that's not really that positive because like these bushfires are devastating and terrible so then she like added in that like green leaf at the end as like a throwaway kind of like Mm. and rebirth you know so you're not left with like a negative taste in your mouth of like you know poor karen having to run in to rescue this you know weird scorched looking koala off etc etc is burnt body Mm. 
they say on Drag Race all the time, if you have to tell us your story, then it hasn't worked effectively. And this is 100% the case here with this look. Like, if you're dew burned scorched tree, yeah, fine, black. But I think you'd still have, like, you'd still, you could do, like, the rings of the wood or whatever on you as well or something. But, yeah, it was it was definitely something that they were like, this is nice. How can I, ma- how can I make that work rather than here's the concept? How do I make like it? Like, Blair St. Clair's gross tree tracers. Oh, yes. Like, when she was dipped in a poo tank. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, sissy that pod throwback. <laughs> Poo tank. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, then we have Scarlett Adams with her Priscilla Queen of the Desert look, which took up half the studio. It seemed like it was massive. And then her ad, which was a uh, snatch, which out of the out of the three crude ones I mentioned, I sort of grouped together earlier. Hers, I think, was the best. Yeah. Out of discharge, piss, and snatch, hers I think was the best. Yeah, I thought that, that hers, but that's I suppose because like yes, hers was the least directly kind of like going into it. Yeah, I think though just that look was outstanding. It was so spectacular and so spot on, and the lemay was flowing so beautifully on the stage, and like it was such a spot on reference to something like I, that. I'm sort of frankly surprised we haven't seen more direct references to Priscilla. Um, you know, so yes, I, I, I just thought that, I thought that that look absolutely like stole the entire runway. I was, I was really impressed with it. Her ad was completely fine. I, 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 I have very, I, I have very limited, um, very limited sort of memories on it. That brings us to so uh, there isn't really a sort of safe batch in the original judging. They go away and they get we get our judges' comments and they come back. Electra wins. I presume that means Kita and Scarlett were high. Um, Art is safe. And then the bottom three are Karen, Maxi, and etc. Uh, with Maxi and etc. Uh, being allocated to lip sync. Um, I I just don't really feel Maxi deserved to be in the bottom two. But I suppose we've already kind of discussed that. But then who else would you put in? They couldn't put Art in the week they, after they got back. But I think... Based on how much the, the the judges fell over Karen's look, I think Art deserved to be lower than Karen. So I probably would have had an Art and etc. lip sync. I was happy with the lip sync pair. I thought that they deserved it. And I think that part of it was like my overall frustration from like the very beginning with Maxi, which I know it's not a cumulative thing. It is kind of like a week to week thing, but I just feel like they haven't been performing and honestly that lip sync i loved it when they whipped out that microphone honestly i absolutely gagged i exploded laughing it's such a simple trick and such like a like it worked so well and it i i would i'm hoping is that this kind of like gives maxi a bit of a kick up the arse and sort of is like okay i you know i need to because i think that like you know you can tell Rue is getting frustrated because she's not being delivered the product that she thought she was buying with Maxi and like she said a couple of times like la- like over the last couple of weeks a few times has like called out the fact that Maxi isn't giving her what she thought she was going to get off her so yeah. like this I feel like next week is Maxi's last chance and yeah. You know, I mean, to be fair, there's only eight episodes and she's got to episode six. So really, <laughs> if yeah. your last chance is coming like two episodes for the final, that's not so bad. But I do yeah. feel like she does have to like showcase some of the kind of like obvious talent that she does have and the performance ability that she does have. And I, I loved the lip sync. I thought it was so funny. 
Oh, I, I thought like she. First of all, I thought it was quite even fant- though. I do, I do, I did think it was, it was. I do think it was like, like it wasn't a full like Maxi Storm that r- ran away with it, won every second of it. I do think etc etc did it did a, a good job, but like no doubt for me that Maxi deserved to win. It was a fantastic song to choose. It's an absolute belter of a song. It's one of those songs I've been wanting to hear on Drag Race Lip Sync for a while. It's the first yeah. time this series that I've been like fair play producers for choosing an actually iconic Australian pop song I know we got Danny Minogue last week we know I'm not the best of Danny Minogue fan but any credit they deserved for it was taken away because it came two episodes too late um, yeah. so I was like thank you finally this is the quality of lip sync song we've been expecting I'm glad it's finally here what a belter and it was I was worried for Maxi because obviously she's one of my favourites um, and she was obviously in that old stu- old school style of lip sync where she was like, there, she wasn't really dancing. It was just kind of, you know, walking around, swirling the, me, yeah. the dress. But she ate the lip sync. Like she was so on beat with the words, unlike etc. who was kind of like not on it as much. And etc. was doing all her splits and stuff. And, and that was a real sort of new school lip sync. And I really was hoping that Rue would save the old school style. And uh, they did. So I was really happy that Maxie got to stay. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Next I, week. I, I, I think that it was like I, I, I think that it has been like the the lip sync itself is a bit of a redemption for for Maxi over the the course of the competition mm. where it's been we'll say spotty at best, but in reality it's it's been more black spots than bright spots. Um, yeah. so I'm hoping that next week we get kind of like a str- a strong comeback. Next week is the makeup challenge. The trailer seems to be suggesting that Maxie's paired up with somebody who might not want to lose the beard. So that could be the downfall. Because honestly, the makeup challenge can take out some of the best. Yeah, it can. And to be fair, well, Maxie's makeup is always pretty pretty spot on. And Maxie does know mm. how to do like, you know... I mean, it could be it could be an interesting kind of rise in the Phoenix moment where if, you know, Maxi strikes me potentially as the sort of person who would have bare friends that they would have put into drag before. So perhaps mm. they're used to doing a glitter, a, a glitter beard or a kind of like some way of like hiding facial hair. And it would be interesting to see bearded drag paraded down the runway in front of RuPaul. I know we had Madden Madness in the the, um, mm. the Drag Race Holland version, but Ru and, and we've had like beard challenges before in the show but it would be interesting to see a kind of like here in this context where it's not a specific beard based challenge and where Rue's in the room I would probably rather see Karen from Finance go home next week than Maxi Shield she has fallen bottom of the pack I think for me which is a shame because she was right up there at the top yeah I'd agree with you came in strong and has sort of just not delivered well thank you for listening as always we'll be back with you next week for that makeup challenge until then Hit us up on Instagram at sissy.pod. Let us know. Can you tell the difference between my voice and James's voice? Who's who? Who's even talking now? Am I King? Am I James? Who knows? Um, <laughs> have a lovely week. We might see you before next Monday if for a bit of Tregory Spain. Who knows? Who knows indeed? No, we will. We, we, we will. Yeah, we no, we will. We're, we're sure we will. We're sure we will. Yeah. We will. We will. <laughs> I'm sure we sure we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well, we'll chat to you then. Have a lovely week. See you. Love you. Bye. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. 
a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Thank <laughs> you.